0: Before I begin, I would like to um, thank you so much. Uh, last week, we uh, we came forward um, and got money, and that doesn't happen to everyone who comes forward. We were asked to come forward. It was awkward. Uh, I I don't handle getting gifts well. I never have. I've always been one to just. I say thank you. I'm very excited. I just don't know how to. I don't know how to handle it very well. Um, but I, I I am, we are just deeply thankful for, for you guys, Rachel and I were driving over to um, my grandmother's house that Sunday and just talking about how we can't imagine being in a better spot. We just, we love this church, we love you guys, we love the eldership, we love the deacons here, we just, we, we love this church. So we're very, very thankful and I'm, I'm going to quit um, uh, lifting you up now and let's get to the sermon. Yeah. All, right. All right, so. Uh, This is the time of year where everybody starts making uh, resolutions. If you don't know what a resolution is, you haven't been paying attention. Or maybe you forgot yours. Uh, Resolution is at the beginning of the year, New Year's, we get up and we say, I'm going, we announce publicly, I'm going to lose 30 pounds or whatever. I'm going to quit eating french fries. Which my sister-in-law did that, not because she's self-controlled, because she's dumb. But there is, she doesn't listen to this online, so. Anyway, the, uh, but whatever it is that you decide you're going to do, you you announce, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm notorious for this. I do this all the time at my house. Nothing serious ever. It's usually something like, I'm going to start set, pronouncing the W in sword, or whatever. I, like, and I'm going to start saying, fantastic. I'm going to start giving stranger fingers guns or whatever. I, and Rachel, Rachel knows me so well that she decides, she, she always says, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I never do any of it. I never, I have these ideas, and I'm, not, I'm going to start doing this. When people say this, I'm going to start saying this. And she says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're just never going to do it. And I, and I don't. I, usually, I, I don't. I want to give the finger guns. I just don't. It would make somebody's day. But there, I, I, I proclaim these things, and then I never do them. What I want, what I want, and the reason I say it, the reason I say silly things like that is I want to make my favorite person in the world laugh. She laughs, and then she says, you're not going to do it. And that's all I wanted. All I wanted was a reaction out of Rachel, and then I, I get what I want and I move on. A lot of times with our resolutions, that's exactly the problem, is we want to get a reaction. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And everyone says, oh, well, that's so good of you. Good job. And you, the endorphins are released. That when people congratulate you Congratulate you on your plan, you feel pretty good about yourself, and you're done. That's what, that's, they've done. They've done studies. That's actually how it works. The reason you aren't doing the things that you're hoping to do is you're proclaiming them and everybody's congratulating you for your proclamation. Don't tell anybody what your resolution is this year and see if it works a little better. But the problem is, deep down, is our resolutions are these small little things. Like, I, I want to I stop doing this, I want to stop doing this. These little petty little things throughout our lives. But What if this year, what if this year you decided to... Do something different that's big. What if this year was the year that you decided to start being more patient? Not just in that sort of I'm not going to scream at drivers while I'm driving way, but in the big way where I'm going to start working and living and loving people, working with people and living with people and loving people who are hard to work with and love. And live with it's just it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to rely on God to be patient. I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to love more and and be vulnerable in my love. What if I, this year you're going to have all the gentleness in the world when typically you would be a bit of a jerk? What if it, what if it's something big and complex like that? Now, what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks, nine to be exact, is that we have, we have within us a spirit, the spirit that comes from God, the spirit that Jesus connects with and says, if you know the spirit, if you know me, you know the spirit. We have within us a spirit that produces within us a fruit that is bigger than, bigger than our control. We are we can be better than we can be because we have a spirit in us that is better than us. You can love better than you've ever loved when you're following Jesus. You can be more patient than you've ever been patient. You can you can have you can be kind and you can experience more joy in Jesus than you've ever experienced before in your life. Because the spirit produces it within you. Now, I would argue that this is not a solid solidary confinement sort of spirituality. I believe that the best way to find the Spirit is to find a Spirit-filled church. To be in community with people who love like you want to love. To or Who are joyful like you. To find a group and say, that group has joy like I want joy. That means the Spirit's working in them and the Spirit can work through you with them. We have too often made the Holy Spirit, something that only works inside my bones instead of working in the community and amongst the people. So find a church. If you want to find, if you want to find more joy, find a joy-filled church. If you want to find more, more love, find a love-filled church. If you want to find more anger, find an anger-filled church. You will find whatever you're looking for if you find the church that produces it. But what's happening in that church is a spirit of something. And if it's the spirit of Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. Spirit of man, if it's the spirit of law, if it's the spirit of what, any other spirit. It's unholy. What if you recall this year to live that out more and more, to love more and more? It's going to take something that you didn't know the spirit majored in. Now, you knew it because you've, you've sung the song, or maybe you've repeated, the, the, you can mem- you've memorized the fruit of the Spirit, you say love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You always end on that last one, but you just, the love, joy, peace, patience, those are the big ones, those are the fun ones. But you get to the end, and you find self-control. Might not have been something you knew the Spirit majored in. That might not be something that you knew the Spirit produced, that it was capable of. But deep down, we all know it's something we need at our core. We need self-control. The biggest example of self-control that I've found in Scripture is in Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrow, sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, Peter, James and John. James and John are the two sons of Zebedee. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is not the Jesus that we often paint pictures of. This is not the Jesus that we, we watch in movies where he's so, he's so super confident and he's, he, he, he just tells people what for and he can. He, he, it's it, 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 not that Jesus right now. His soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Another way of saying this, this is actually a, an idiom that we, a phrase, a saying that we share. But they just didn't translate it the same way. I'm so sad I could die. I could die. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow even to death. Please stay here and watch. I, I need someone with me right now. Because I am overwhelmed. Jesus. Was overwhelmed. That's what he prays. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If it is possible. Now, what's this cup? Just real quickly, the worst thing you can imagine. The, if, if anyone's seen The Passion of the Christ, I've, I've seen it. Did not enjoy it. I don't know if anyone enjoyed it. It's not a movie you take popcorn to. But there's, there's a scene before he's crucified, The Passion of Christ, where they're, um, they're whipping him. And just at the point where you think, I, just, I can't do this anymore. I can't watch this anymore. I'm going to have to leave. They stop and switch sides. It's just awful. The worst, he is going to go through pain he's never known. He's going to go go through humiliation he's never experienced. This is going to be the worst moment of his whole life. And he knows it's coming. He knows it's coming at the hand of a friend he's spent the last three years with. He knows it's coming by the the, um, condemnation of his own people. He, know it's, he knows it's going to be embarrassing. He knows it's going to be the most awful way to die. And he knows it's coming. And he says, this cup, if, I, if there's any other way. But I don't want what I want. I want what you want. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them there and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. First prayer, God, can this can this thing be taken from me? This last two prayers, if it can't, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. If, if, it's, if it's your will, I will do it. He comes back. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is not a let us go away. This is a let us go to. He walks to the person who's going to betray him, he stands with his disciples and in in an act of i 'm one of those people that runs i don 't know if if you were ever if you ever we lived in town when I was a kid and we had this uh we had we had a bunch of friends who lived with us and uh we had a friend named Richard and a friend named Justin and a friend named Tommy, and they would all kind of come over to our house mainly because of my sister but then they they would end up playing football with us Uh, and we would go around the neighborhood and do crazy things really crazy things um i just filtered like three stories i can't even tell you so but then there was always that moment when someone would come out of their house onto their porch and say hey what are y'all doing And we would just scatter we would never stand there and we were we were throwing pine cones at each other we would never admit it we would just scatter and run, run away like they didn't know where we lived. <laughs> I still see you behind that tree. But we would run. Here comes, here comes the betrayer. Listen, this is going, this is the man that's going to put upon Jesus, and start the wheels turning of the worst day, the worst 36 hours, 48 hours of his life. And he stands there and says, if this is what God would have me do, I will do it. I will face it. Listen, God wants to change you. He wants you to become more loving. He wants you to become more patient. He, wants, he has put his spirit in you so that he can shape and change and mold you at some point we've got to enter into the covenant. We've got to enter into this relationship and start saying we will stand up and do God's will for us. And a lot of times God's will for us is something that He's doing on the inside. Doing within our family. Doing within our church. Sometimes God's will is that you love more. That you find more joy even in brokenness, even in tears. Sometimes God's will is that you be more patient with the people around you. And for us to do that, we are going to need some self-control. Paul says in Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For us to build and mature in those other areas, we're going to need the last one. We're going to need to control ourselves. And that's the hardest one. See, love can be happy, clappy, skippity through some forest and hold Jesus' hand and feel good about ourselves. He's my best friend. Joy can feel fun, and I'm at a birthday party. Patience, well, we'll skip that one, Uh Kindness seems like, obviously, that's what you want. Self-control is the thing where we decide, I am no longer going to just haphazardly float down the lazy river of life and let it take me wherever it pleases. I am going to stand up and start doing the things I've always claimed I was going to do. I'm going to start following Jesus like I've always claimed I was going to do, and I'm not just going to let it happen and wash wash over me i'm going to proactively stand up and walk toward the things that i know have beaten me in the past and it will not beat me this time i'm going to overcome it because i have within me a spirit that produces a self-control that is beyond myself so if so if you're scared you are not alone if self-control frightens you, you're not alone. Jesus didn't want to do this, but he did it. Jesus didn't want to do the thing God would have him to do. He didn't want to, but he did. And that takes a tremendous amount of self-control. Self-control, uh, the first part of it is realizing that yourself needs to be controlled. If you're going to do this, you're you're, you're going to have to become aware that that your humanity, your life, it needs to be under control. You can't just do all the things that you think you should do. You can't just say all the things you think you should say. People say things like, I'm just going to be who I'm going to be. Well, you're ruined. That's not what God would have for you. He wants you to be more than you're going to be. I say what I think. What if what you think is awful? What if it's dumb? You shouldn't always say what you think. Problem is, we start start, uh, just doing the things we always do and saying the things we always say, and guess where that's going to end you? Right where you've always ended. Right where you've always been. What you've been doing will produce what it's always produced. If you keep doing what you've been doing, it will produce what it's always produced. Stop it. Stop. I know that sounds like Dr. Phil. Man, I hate it when I get that. Just stop it. Just do it. You know what? Stop doing what you've always done. Start loving more than you've ever loved. Now, this is going to take you watching yourself, standing back and looking at yourself. I, my my sense of humor is labeled self-deprecating. I make fun of myself, and that's just about it. And my sister-in-law, apparently, and <laughs> but I'm mostly just self-deprecating. I I'm I'm very aware of how dumb I am. I'm very aware of how, of how stupid the things I do are, and that sort of keeps me honest and when that doesn't work i married rachel and she keeps me honest and so we have this um we have this thing i have this thing within me that is constantly mouthing at me and i have grown to appreciate that part of me you are you are going to have to start stop thinking that you've got it all together stop thinking that Start thinking that yourself needs to be controlled and start monitoring yourself. Pay attention to what you do and what you say. And when you notice, well, I'm just a worrier. Well, figure out how to control that. I'm just a glutton. Figure out how to control it. Well, I just, I'm a liar. Okay, really, stop that. Figure... And what what needs to happen is a couple of things. One, one very practical and one that we find from Jesus. One, uh, counselors will tell you if, if you're struggling with something big, if you're having a hard time controlling yourself in a very big way, start flexing that muscle in very little ways. So if you hate making your bed because you think it's, not smart to cover up the thing you 're going to have to uncover to get into later. people who are obsessed with making their bed I always well this is a line from Jim Gafkin. I always wonder that if uh, people who are obsessed with making their bed, I always wonder if they tie their shoes after they take them off. but okay, so so you hate making your bed. make your bed, do something. Every day that you hate doing. You hate doing the dishes. Do the dishes. Every day. Maybe for you it's going to be exercise or something. Exercise is a small thing. Get up and do it. If you hate doing it, get up and do it. So that you will understand what it feels like to not do the thing you want to do. I want to sleep in. Get up. Flex the muscle of self-control whenever you get a shot. This is is the same thing with every other fruit of the Spirit. If you want to love, start loving little things. Start finding joy in little moments so that you can find the joy in the moments that are hard to find joy in. This uh, self-control is going to be very difficult if when faced with the hardest thing you've ever faced, it is the first time that you've ever had to flex that muscle. Jesus was a self-controlled man his whole life. This was not the first time that he's had to do the thing that he didn't want to do. But even if you have flexed that muscle over and over again, even if you have worked on your (laughs) self-control over and again, there are going to come moments where it just seems unbearable. And when those moments come, let God know how much you don't want to do it that's an okay prayer to pray. Jesus prayed that prayer on his knees, saying, I don't want to do this. But if you want me to do it, I will. Two things you're acknowledging there is you're acknowledging that God cares about what you want, and he understands how difficult what's about to happen is. Secondly, you're also acknowledging... That God, the one you're talking to, the father you're expressing these pains to, that he can give you the strength to do it. Because when you say it's not my will, but yours, what you're saying is, God, I know you wouldn't have given me this task if it wasn't a task that we could complete together. God wouldn't have asked you to do something if he didn't think you could do it. If it's his will, it's his will. So you got a lot on your plate. And there is this element where we say, yes, God does produce in us fruit. God does produce in us love. He does produce within us joy and patience and kindness and gentleness. He does produce within us some beautiful things, some peace, some goodness, some faithfulness. He produces it within us. But if you want to grow, if you want to mature, self-control will help you Be the gardener that you need to be to grow that fruit. So you're in a relationship with God with all this. It's not just going to wash over you. It will feel like at times that it washes over you. And the Spirit will produce in you love that you didn't know you had. But in those other moments, you're going to have to learn self-control. And sometimes patience means having the self-control, not to let your anger get a hold of you in the moment. Sometimes, sometimes kindness is having enough self-control to say the, thing, the second or the third thing you thought instead of the first thing you thought. <coughs> self-control is the tool of the Christian who is intent upon maturing in Christ. It is what we use. It's what you will use. But you have to be, it's, you have to be very specific about it. I am going to be more self, self-controlled by what? So two questions, two questions to answer. How does your self need controlling? When you take an honest look at yourself, how, what needs a little more control? Or maybe a lot more control? Second question. How are you going to go about controlling it? I would argue practice with the little things and prayer. But maybe you've come up with something else. Maybe you've got something that works for you. In this battle, this is a bit of of an addendum. I don't know if I just made up that word. Is that a word? That's a word to the sermon. In this battle, in this battle, you will fail. You will be like the disciples, determined to stay awake for Jesus, and you will go to sleep. I had a, um, had a man tell me after, uh, I'll tell you who it was, he's not here, Hugh. Hugh told me after, after church a couple Sundays ago, first half of your sermon was really good. I said, thank you. What happened in the second half? He said, I was asleep. I feel bad that I put him to sleep, but I also feel great that he feels comfortable enough telling me that he was asleep. It's a win-win, right? Uh, <laughs> but you, you, you're going to be like the disciples, wanting to stay awake, wanting to, wanting to persevere, be there for Jesus. You're wanting to do the thing Jesus would have you to do that he told you to do, and you're just going to fall asleep. It's going to mess up. You're going to mess up. You're going to say, I'm going to be more patient, and then you're going to shout at your kids in two minutes. It's going to happen. Don't let a small defeat ruin you. Don't, don't let it. Let's get up and go again. Peter, I think, tried to reconcile his sleepiness with trying to cut off someone's head with a sword later. He said, You may say, Well, no, it's ear. No, it was head. No one aims for the ear. It's always head. The guy ducked. Got his ear. Peter wasn't going, you know. Got him, Jesus. His ear's on the ground. Let's just walk away now. He's going for head. Think it through. Um, But there, so, Pete, sometimes you're going to wake up and you're going to come up, come to and say, oh man, I failed. uh, Let's make up. No, no. Just start simple. Just, just keep going. Do what you'd already planned on doing. Just, try to do it again. Now, if you notice that you keep failing and failing, there might be a time to d- decide, well, maybe what I was doing wasn't the right way to do it, and maybe we need more prayer and more practice, or maybe we need this or that, or maybe I need counseling. Maybe I need to talk to someone who, know, can, who can understand my specific situation and can talk me through some of this. You're not going to get it all right. At the beginning, and that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you, it doesn't mean God doesn't um, appreciate your efforts, it doesn't mean that you, you have somehow lost grace, you haven't. It. But it's in that those hard thought battles, even the ones you lose, that you find maturity. And so if you're looking for maturity, if you're looking for growth of the fruit that the Spirit produces, there are going to be some some victories and there's going to be some defeats. And in those victories and in those defeats you will find that you grow so don't get all upset that you've failed just only get upset if you quit maybe there's a specific thing in your life that you need to control when you look at yourself and you say what what about me what about myself needs control Maybe there's something that you don't think you can do on your own. You, can't, you don't even think you can practice it. You don't think you can pray it through it. You, you need the church to be with you, to hold you accountable, to pray with you, whatever it is. If that's what you need today, we, we want to be with you. We want to pray with you. We want to hold, hold you accountable if that's what you need. We, we want to be the people, the church that God envisioned. We want to help the community. We want to help you. Maybe you want to join that spirit, the spirit that produces fruit and love and joy and peace and patience, spirit that produces self-control. Maybe you just need that extra bit of help from the God that maybe you've never believed in him, but maybe today's the day. Maybe you never thought you needed this Jesus, but maybe today is the day. Maybe when you take a really close look at yourself, you're just not. What you had always hoped. And the question I'd have is why are you hoping for more if it's not built in you to be more than you already are? You're hoping for more, and that the reason you're hoping is because just in, deep inside of you, you know there's something else other than what you've got. I think the answer is Jesus. If you disagree, you disagree. But if I I think the answer is Jesus, He can change and shift and mold and mature the worst of the worst. And I'm standing up here as an example. We all stand as examples, knowing that Jesus can do great things with very little. He's an artist who majors in catastrophe. So, let him work in you. let him change you. It will be the best decision you've ever made, and you won't regret it for a second so join this Jesus movement join with him we we unite you with into in, his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism believe have faith in him but if you need self-control that you just don't think you can muster on your own let's do self-control together. You can still come forward. We'll pray. We'll talk with you. We'll be there for you. We'll, we'll do whatever it is that you need. But please come forward while we stand and while we sing.